0: Hey, friends, I'm Sharon Betters, and you are listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And today, my husband Chuck is going to continue his conversation with Reverend Anthony Thompson, author of Called to Forgive. This is part two of this really powerful conversation. In part one, Reverend Thompson described the horrific events of June 17th, 2015, when Dylan Roof, a young white man, attended the Wednesday evening Bible study at the predominantly black Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Tragically, an hour later, Roof pulled a concealed weapon and killed nine African-Americans as they prayed, including Myra, the wife of Reverend Thompson. He describes in part one, minute by minute, how this tragedy impacted him, and how he learned about the death of his wife. And he takes us right to that moment when he is face to face, almost against his will, with the murderer of his wife. This is such a powerful story of forgiveness, and we are so eager for you to join in the movement that Anthony feels called to really start, and that is, the power and the calling to forgive. So let's join Chuck and Anthony as they continue this conversation about forgiveness.
1: Thank you, Sharon. You, uh, you are right in introducing Pastor Anthony Thompson to us. I read a book from him that he wrote called Call to Forgive. As I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, this is too good to be true. Nobody forgives this way. This man has experienced the murder of his wife, Myra. All she was doing was teaching a Bible study. And a white racist man decided he wanted to kill Black people. He wanted to start a race war. And he enters Emanuel AME Church in Charleston and murders in cold blood, uh, what have become known as the Charleston Nine. And Anthony's book, needless to say, is somewhat controversial. And I want to ask him some very serious and pointed questions about what he means when he talks about the gospel of forgiveness. Anthony, welcome to Marking Ministries. Thank you so much for your willingness to rip off the scab of that horrible night. Uh, We know that it is a sacrifice on your part. To share this story, Uh, but you wrote a book called Called to Forgive. I want to ask you some questions about that book. What is the gospel of forgiveness to which you have been called?
2: The gospel of forgiveness to which God has called me relates all the way back to what Isaiah said when he said that by his stripes ye are healed, giving us 500 years. Before it actually happened, letting us know that Christ is going to come, He's going to die on that cross so that we can be forgiven. And then five hundred years later, He gets on the cross and He dies. He is, he, he is whipped, literally whipped. You know, He's his, his skin is and and meat is literally torn from His body, and He He looks just like what Isaiah said, stripes. And then He He says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." That's the gospel. The God called me to spread that unconditional forgiveness whereas God said we don't owe him anything okay but he knew that we needed to be forgiven so that we can have the peace you know the peace that we didn't have you, you talk about peace you talk about peace from sin you know and sin there's, there's so much to sin especially in today's society when you talk about discrimination you talk about Systemic racism, you talk about all these things, those are sins, you know, things that happen in our lives and things that we put labels on, we don't understand our sins. God released us from all that to give us peace. You know, and that's the gospel that he wants me to spread. He wants me to make to let people know that, you know, he know, you know, he know that people are hurting. I mean, I know that because, because I hurt. You know, he he know how much you hurt, and he know that a lot of hurt comes from things that people have done to you. You know, people have done in your life, people have, have slandered your name or, or perhaps killed your loved ones, you know, or perhaps just a best friend just turned against you for no reason at all. God knows, he knows that we are hurting from all these things. And so that's why he sent his son Jesus to the cross to die so that we can not only be forgiven, but that we can forgive others and receive the peace that we need because forg- forgiving others gives us peace. You know, and that's the difference between biblical and secular forgiveness. You know, biblical forgiveness means that we choose to forgive. We allow God to do the judging. We ask God to take over. We ask, And we give the offender and the offense to God. You understand? Trusting him. You know, the Bible says, you know, Romans, the 12th chapter, it says, 19th to the 21st verse, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is, Mine to avenge. He says, I will repay, says the Lord. But he says, on the contrary, this is what we're supposed to do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, you see, biblical forgiveness, that's what it's all about. You know, and biblical forgiveness is unconditional. It is complete, even, even if the person injured, is the forgiver. You know, it, it it takes no forgiving, accepting, or acknowledging action on the part of the offender. I mean, they don't have to respond to you. You just forgive them. And when you forgive them, a lot of people ask me, well, when I forgive them, what happens? You know, what do I do to get my peace? I say, you don't get it yourself. You just forgive them, and God will give you the peace because that's what forgiveness is all about. That's the kind of healing power forgiveness has. It gives you peace. You know, in the secular forgiveness, society believes that in order to forgive, we must understand why someone committed a wrong against us. But we don't need to understand that, you know. Society believes that the person should acknowledge their offense and apologize before being forgiven. But we can forgive without any appropriate response from the offender because the forgiveness is not for them. You know, a lot of people think we're letting, if you forgive somebody, you're letting them off the hook. But you're not letting them off the hook. I didn't let Dylan off the hook. I never dismissed the fact that Dylan murdered nine people. And one of those nine was my wife. I saw Dylan as a child of God. Someone who needed to be forgiven. Like God forgave me. But forgiving him. This is what you understand. Forgiving him does not dismiss the fact that Dylan is a murderer. I also see him as a murderer. Besides seeing him as a child of God. His actions also define who he is. I forgave him. And I'll never take my forgiveness back. But forgiveness does not mean that Dylan should go free. He committed a crime. And I believe that Dylan needs to be punished for what he did. And he was punished for what he did. According to the law of man, he needed to be punished for the crime he committed. In the eyes of God, Dylan also committed a sinful act. And the Bible teaches that there are consequences for your sinful actions. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So I didn't let him off the hook. I let myself off the hook. You know, if you heard what I said, what happened to me when I forgave him, I was left off the hook. When I forgave him, all the anger, all the hate, sadness from my everything I felt that was totally against me, that would have made my life miserable, God took it away. Okay, and gave me peace, which enabled me to go forward in my life.
1: So what are the consequences, both personally and let's broaden it to, say, even culturally? of a failure to forgive Mm. the way you're describing it. What are the consequences?
2: Okay, let me tell you this. This, first of all, right here in America, the slave trade started what, 1619 when the Dutch were the first captured Africans to our colonies. Charleston was the nation's capital of the former slave trade. This very port where I live at, when many kidnapped Africans first landed in the new world came ashore. Slaves built the city for almost 200 years The white population thrived under the slave economy, and not until July 1st, 1865, did Charleston outlaw the sale and auction of slaves on the city street, okay? Now, my parents taught me that biblical forgiveness is not an option. Depending on the cold-blooded cruelty or sadistic nature of the crime, it it doesn't matter. Forgiveness depends on God's word and on God's requirements for the Christian, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians about forgiveness <clears throat> when he encouraged them to bear with each other and to forgive one another. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The consequences of not forgiving when it comes to cultural forgiveness, when it comes to the fact that what happened to me and my ancestors as a Black person, the fact that some of the things that happened to me right now for being Black is that. If I could continue to carry a grudge for the things that happened to be the, you know, racism, which which Dylan so much expressed, because he killed my wife and then other people because they were black, and and if I and if I held that, you understand, if I held that, my life would have been miserable. Okay, you know, not only would my life have been, been miserable, but just think, if I held that in, if I held that as a grudge. And I wanted to get him back. And I want to get the city back. I want to get every white person back who ever did anything. Charleston would have been burned down. People in, people, white people in Charleston would have been killed because people were standing, people were ready to do that. Ready to do that. And, 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 and in doing that, it would have destroyed a city that I grew up in, a city that I love, and people who I love in this city. It would have just destroyed my life, too. It would have made my life miserable because that's what happens. When you try to get somebody back for doing you wrong, you reap what you sow. You understand what I'm saying? If you sow with anger, you get anger back. If you sow with hate, you get hate back. You understand what I'm saying? If 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 if, if I if I had done took, took these type of actions, a whole other group of people would have followed me and did something disastrous that would ruin not just my life, but a lot of other people's lives. And those are the consequences of not being able to forgive. It's just like a person, you know, unforgiveness is like it's like a person taking a bottle of poison and they want to do harm to the other person. But then yet you drink the poison Well, who's going to die. You're going to die. And that's what unforgiveness is. Those are the consequences of unforgiveness. Makes your life very miserable, makes the lives of other people miserable. And it just trickles right on downhill, you know, and so you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive in order to get that peace. You're not going to get it any other way but through forgiveness. A grudge is not going to give you peace. Revenge is not going to give you peace. None of those things are going to give you peace. You're just going to hurt yourself. As a matter of fact, there's medical there are medical consequences to unforgiveness. The medical field, you know, I think I mentioned some of this in my book. It, it tells you that harboring negative emotions such as anger and hatred creates what you call a state of chronic anxiety. And chronic anxiety produces something that we all know about. It produces excess adrenaline and cortisol, you know, and what it does, it depletes the production of the natural killer cells, things that kill, that kill cancer cells, you know, you know, the body's foot soldier that fights against cancer. You know, and people who are grudges, the doctors have reported that they have high rates of heart disease, cardiac arrest, elevated blood pressure, stomach ulcers. You know, arthritis, back I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it all comes from people holding grudges because somebody did them wrong. Now, what does that tell you? That tell you you're bringing more harm to yourself physically and mentally. And the person who you're holding a grudge against are trying to get back. Literally walking around, all right, they don't even know that you got a grudge. Mm-hmm. So you're literally hurting yourself. You're not getting that person back. You never will get that person back. I've got several illustrations I'm to tell you about people who tried it. There was um, a young lady uh, named Corrine. She was a Jew, a part of the Holocaust, where the Jews were in a concentration camp. And there was a God who literally raped her and her sister as many times as he wanted to. And after the Holocaust, and they, they were free, she, she had this hate for him like none other. I mean, she hated him. She, wanted, she was waiting for the day when she can get him back to kill him. But, she, but what she discovered was that <clears throat> her life, her health was getting bad. Her life was miserable. She couldn't move forward in her life. And so she decided herself that she was going to forgive this man. And when she forgave this man, her life took a total turnabout. Her health began to get better. She was able to concentrate on what she wanted to do in life. And, and her life got so good she opened up a, a rehabilitation center in her house to help other Jews who were mentally and physically handicapped by the Holocaust. And what she discovered was that those who forgave were able to heal and go forward in their lives. And those who were not able to forgive remained handicapped mentally and physically. That's what unforgiveness does, you know?
1: Let me ask you this. Is forgiveness, does it have to be tied in with forgetting You hear people all the time talk about I will forgive him or her, but I will never forget. How do you respond to that?
2: No. When the Bible God says he forgives and he forgets. What God is saying, God is saying that He forgives us and He will not hold us responsible for the fact that He did forgive us. He's not going to come back and say, Ooh, when you do something else wrong, and you think He's not going to come back and say, Well, you did this last year, you did this. Yeah. That's what he means by forgetting, okay, that he's not going to bring any harm to you. But we don't want to remember, you know, I mean, we, 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 we don't want to forget, okay? We don't want to remember with sorrow. We, we want to remember and honor the victims, you understand? We want to remember and honor the survivors. You know, it brings people together in prayer and dialogue and leads to positive change, you know, that love, do, conquer, hate. So you want to remember, you want to remember because you don't want it to happen again. You understand? You know, I pray with many others that they will continue to remember together what happened here at Emmanuel AME Church on June 17, 2015. Allowing each anniversary, you understand? Allowing each anniversary of the tragedy to shine a bright light in Charleston and throughout the nation. Never forgetting now. Never forgetting what the word of God can do in our lives and in our city forever changing our hearts, helping us, you understand? To become who God wants to be, doing God wants to do. So that's why... You know, I want them to remember. So it's not like you're forgetting what happened. Forgetting means that you're not going to do anything wrong to them. You're not going to hold a grudge. You're not going to try to get them back. That's what forgetting means. But not in the sense that you're going to forget mentally because you don't want to forget. You want to remember so that you it will not happen again. You can prevent it from happening
1: again. One of the great outcomes of the tragedy of the the Charleston or Emmanuel 9 is that the city of Charleston issued a public apology for its role in slavery. It sounds to me like the tragedy of uh, that took place at Emmanuel had a lot to do with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, that uh, public apology from the city of Charleston?
2: Yes, the city of Charleston apology As a matter of fact, it was on the 153rd anniversary of our nation's end of slavery that the city of Charleston, under Mayor Tecklenburg, mandated that resolution to recognize, denounce, and apologize for the city's Charleston involvement with slavery. That came as a result of forgiveness that we displayed to Dylan, okay? Not just me, but from other family members. That was a result of that. And right now... You know, not only did they apologize or denounce it, you know, the involvement that Charleston had with slavery, but right now we're doing something to show that they really apologize. Right now, this, the, the Charleston community, surrounding community, trying to move forward. You know, I mean, there was a time when even then, in, 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 in 2017, I mean, 2015, when the city was so divided by racism, you know, systemic racism, and police profiling. These things are changing. You know, these things are changing as a result of the resolution, as a result of the forgiveness by me and the other family members. The, the Charleston Police Department did an audit almost three years ago, excuse me, on the positive and negative effect they have particularly in the black community. They look at their hiring practices to see if there were any discriminatory practices, and they found discrepancies in both areas, and they made some abrupt changes. When it comes to racial profiling, no more. Okay, when it comes to hiring practices, no more. I mean, so that's the first thing they looked at, okay? And one of the other things, the mayor created a new department in his administration called Human Resources and Organizational Development. And this is for the sole purpose, sole purpose to provide leadership, direction, and support needed to attract, retain, and develop talented, individuals to align themselves with the ever-changing needs of our city so things like that are happening we as pastors we took the lead we felt the pastors needed to take the lead in trying to change this city my church which is holy trinity and four three other white predominantly white churches south abroad When you talk about south abroad you talk about where all the money is at that was made from slavery where all the aristocratic whites live and all the aristocratic white churches are. My church and three other churches south abroad, St. Michael's, First God's Presbyterian Church, the First Baptist Church of Charleston, St. John Lutheran Church, and, and St. Michael's Anglican Church. We're reaching across each other's pulpits, preaching across each other's pulpits. Our members have had Bible studies together. We've had, we've had feasts together so that we could get to know each other, not as black and white, but as neighbors. We're to the point now where that's what we do. Our churches know each other. Our congregations know each other as neighbors. And we do this every year, especially during the Lent season. And so things like that are occurring in Charleston. I mean, we're not just talking about it. We're actually doing something about it. I have an organization, a foundation that I have now called One New Humanity Charleston Foundation. I initiated this foundation through a forum that we had at a predominantly white church, they wanted to know, what could we do? What could we do besides reaching across the pulpits? What could we do besides congregations coming together, black and white? What else could we do? What other hands-on thing could we do? And so created this foundation called One New Humanity Charleston. We have board members, we have staff. We are now planning an event. The event was supposed to take place this year in November, but due to the Delta variant, we had to cancel a lot of things. So we're we're going to we're going this event's going to occur in next year to 2022 and it's about uniting the city of Charleston culturally denominationally racially just bringing the city together through Christ and we're going to focus on repentance forgiveness reconciliation and unity so we're doing a lot of things in here in Charleston you know as a result of the resolution and as a result of the forgiveness you know, we're not we're not just talking forgiveness, we are definitely applying it in the city of Charleston. What is the
1: relationship, if any, between you and Dylan? I know in your book you are actually praying for a time if he will receive you where you can visit him in prison. Is that really something that you want to do?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is something I want to do. Because first of all, Dylan You know, like I said, he. You know, I I I, I see him as a child of God. In my book, the letter I wrote him, it just emphasized to him that I want him to understand he was wrong, and that he deserved the kind of punishment he's getting, and he can't blame that on anybody else. But most importantly of all, I want him to understand and to know that I still forgive him, and that I'm willing to come to where he's, he's serving time and. Kansas City, Lansing, Lansing Prison in Kansas City. And I explained to him that I would come to that prison. And if he wants to give his life to the Lord, if he's never done that, I'll help him to do it. And if he already did that, being that what he did he is evidence that he strayed from God and he needed to ask God's forgiveness, I would help him to do that. Or anything else he wanted to talk to me about, I would actually help him to do that. So I don't have a relationship with him, you know, but in a sense, I, would not, I, I wouldn't mind speaking with him, talking with him. His grandfather, we reached out to each other. You know, one day we're going to get together with this whole family. We're going to talk about this. And I let them know that, I, I explained to them that they, are, they don't have to be forgiven because they never did anything. And so, um, and so his family understands that.
1: One final question, uh, Pastor. I, mm-hmm. I want you to imagine that there is a person sitting across the desk from you, watching this interview, who is holding a grudge Mm. against a wayward spouse or a rebellious child Mm. or somebody that has wronged them in some way, not nearly, Mm -hmm. to the degree that you were wronged. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, painful for them. Uh, They're hurting, they're, they're grieving, maybe the loss of a friendship. And they have one piece of parting advice from you, someone who's been greatly grieved and harmed by the sin of another. You have a few seconds with them. Okay. Tell them one thing. What would you
2: do? I know you're hurting, and I know you may be angry, and you probably want to take revenge on someone who's done you wrong. But I discovered that in doing so, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to make your life miserable. Your life is never going to be the same. You're not going to get the peace that you need. You're not going to get the peace that you're seeking through those means. It's just going to make your life worse. But one thing I do know is that if you just forgive that person, you don't have to do anything else. Just forgive them and let yourself off the hook so that you can and you will experience the peace that you're trying to obtain through other means. Because God promises that peace.
1: Would you close us in prayer, please, and pray for that? Those many people that I know are going to be watching this who are really having difficulty with the gospel of forgiveness.
2: Let us pray. <clears throat> to the all-wise and all-knowing God, we know, Lord, that you see everything and everything that we do, you hear everything that we say, Lord, and you see the struggles that we go through in life, Lord, and the hurt that that just just that sometimes we just cannot bear. Because someone did us wrong, Lord. You know, we 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 carry so much baggage, Lord, because of the offense of somebody else. You know, perhaps, Lord, there's someone now whose husband has done the wrong, or wife has done the wrong, or, or, or someone perhaps someone slandered your name, or someone just took away your loved one through other means. God, we know and you know that we hurt, just like you saw my hurt, Lord. I just ask, Lord, that you will help them. Help them to come to you. Help them to seek you, Lord. You know, because, Father, you told us not to be anxious for anything, but to come to you with all things through prayer and thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known unto you, and you shall give us peace. So, Lord, I'm going to ask you, Lord, to, to whatever they are worrying about, whatever they are carrying, whatever they are ang- angry about, Lord, take it from them, Father. Take it out of their hands. Take it out of their lives, Lord. Move them, Lord. Move them to forgive that person. And if they need to be forgiven, move them, Lord, to come to you to ask your forgiveness. And ask forgiveness of those who they have done wrong. Lord, help them not to lean into their own understanding, but to acknowledge you and this problem that they're having. So, Lord, we come to you today asking you to help us to stop worrying. Help us to stop taking trying to take control of the situation. Help us, Lord, to put away our anger, our hate. Help us not to take revenge, Lord. Take control of our lives. Have mercy on our soul. Forgive us for doubting you. Forgive us for taking matters into our own hands. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness and help us to repent of hatred, of anger, racism, discrimination, inequality, and social justice. Give us a new heart, Lord. Remove our heart of a stone and give us a heart that is filled with your spirit. Put your spirit in us so that we can incline to your will and walk in your way. Not our will, but thou will be done. And because we come together tonight, as we come together this morning to resolve our anger, to resolve our hate, to resolve taking revenge on somebody, help us to lean not unto our own understanding, but to trust you with all our heart, mind, and soul. To trust you to direct us to come to a resolution of our hate, our anger, and our eagerness to take revenge. And make us one people as you, Lord, your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Make us one people, Lord. Help us to respect our differences, black, white, Latino, Mexican, Asian, whatever. Help us to use our differences to help each other, not to hate each other. Help us to use our differences to unite and love each other, not to divide and conquer. Help us not to see and define each other by the color of our skin but to see and define each other by the content of our character. Help us, Lord, blacks, whites, Latinos, Mexicans, Asians, etc., to truly become one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And we praise you, God. We give you the glory, God. We ask these things and we thank you through the merits and mediation of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. You've been listening to part two of a two-part interview so, with Pastor Anthony Thompson. I hope that you will be blessed by this. I hope that you will pass on the information. Mark Inc. Ministries produces these resources, these podcasts. We have hundreds of other resources available free of charge to you. If you visit markinc.org or you can download our free app at your favorite app store. It's called Help and Hope. Because that's what we're here to do, offer help and hope to hurting people. Download the app. All kinds of information can be found there if you need counseling, personal one-on-one counseling. We have counselors available to you all over the country. Virtually, you can contact them through the app, help and hope. Just download it, make your appointment, and you'll have biblically trained counselors ready to offer you the help and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Our goal, our desire, our purpose is to bring you to a knowledge of the one who saves, the one who redeems, the only one whose name is worthy to be called the Son of the living God, even Jesus Christ. Thank you, Anthony. Thank your family. Thank you for willing your willingness to rip open a scab, to preach that gospel of forgiveness. You have been a blessing to me personally. Your book is a challenge. Again, folks, get a hold of this book called Called to Forgive by Pastor Anthony Thompson. You're not going to regret reading this book. Have a great day. May God richly bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope
1: podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org. M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device.
0: Hope is just one click away.